Welcome to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Hello once again, this is Pastor Jay McPherson. Glad to have you with us on the Bible and our culture. Over the last month or two, we've been talking about the failure of the children of Israel at Kadesh Barnea. In Numbers 13 and 14, the children of Israel are supposed to enter their promised land by the power of God. But they start complaining. They start freaking out. They don't have faith. They have fear. They don't believe God. They believe the giants. And so God's going to refuse to allow them to enter. Actually, first he's going to kill them. But Moses intercedes for the children of Israel. And he says, all right, I'm going to reject them from going into the promised land. They're going to wander for 40 years. We've talked about that because it's a picture, I think, of where the American church is today. We have an opportunity to go take our land, but it's going to involve giants. It's going to involve fortified cities, strongholds. But through the power of God, through him working through us, we can do it. Are we going to believe like the remnant, like Joshua and Caleb. I believe there is a remnant rising in faith, like Joshua and Caleb, ready to take the land. So for the last few months, we've contrasted the 10 spies that had the gripes versus the two spies that had the grapes. Well, as I've been meditating on these two chapters, I've noticed something strange. That is contrasting Caleb with Joshua. The question I have, I guess, is over the years, we've looked at them as twins, uh, if you will. That they're basically, they're in it together, but are they really twins? Maybe they're more like Batman and Robin. In other words, they're a dynamic duo, but at this juncture, Caleb seems to be Batman, while Joshua is playing the role of Robin. Now, 40 years from now, when they enter the promised land for real. Joshua is the general. Joshua is the leader. He's kind of Batman. And we don't hear much about Caleb. He's kind of Joshua's sidekick. But here at the battle of, excuse me, at the entrance of Kadesh Barnea, they're kind of together with Caleb, the main hero. Why do I think that? Well, as I'm studying this passage, I remember reading Numbers 1330. This is right as the 10 spies came back from scouting out the land. And they're freaking out. They're saying, oh, it's a good land, but there's giants and well-fortified cities. And the Bible says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. We didn't hear anything about Joshua that first night. So later on, when God's kind of on a rant, talking to Moses about how he's going to kill the people and what he's going to do to them, he says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. So God's even talking about Caleb and doesn't really mention Joshua, which is kind of weird because after that first day, when Caleb stood up and tried to tell people, let's believe God and go take the land. Well, the children of Israel listened to the 10 spies and the Bible says they wept all night. And they woke up that next morning, after only Caleb spoke up, 
And in verse 6 of chapter 14, it says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is when the children of Israel are going to kick Moses and Aaron to the curb, get new leaders, and go back to Egypt. They're saying it would be better to be slaves than to, uh, be, to die in the promised land. They said we should have died in the wilderness. So in verse 7, it says, And they, that's Joshua and Caleb, spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. You can see why I see this is a, a type of, of the American church today. But let's contrast Joshua and Caleb for a moment. Clearly, Joshua's courage the following morning with Caleb was admirable. But it appears to have taken him until morning to show. And so I, I'm, I'm reading this passage several times in the last few months. And I, I see Caleb, and then I see Joshua and Caleb. And then I see Caleb, and then I see Joshua and Caleb. And I keep asking myself, why? Why is it at first Caleb the hero and then Joshua joins him? And so when you feel like the Holy Spirit keeps emphasizing something in the scripture you don't understand, you kind of want to take a look back and say, Lord, show me what you're, you're trying to paint a picture of here. And so I thought, what else do we know of Caleb? What else do we know of Joshua? Well, 40 years later, after Moses' death, God appointed Joshua leader of the whole nation of Israel. And at that time, Joshua seemed hesitant to lead courageously. He had earned this position to be commander. He was Moses's replacement. I mean, he had passed every test admirably, including this one at Kadesh Barnea as a spy. But every time that Joshua was faced with something, he seemed to do well. So now he's at the helm and you would think he'd be cocky and excited that oh, now he gets to call the shots. But if you're familiar with Joshua chapter 1, introduces the conquest of Canaan by saying, After the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to Joshua. It says, basically, I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Next verse, only be strong and very courageous. And you drop down two more verses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow, Joshua needed God to encourage him to be strong and courageous three times out of four verses. <laughs> I mean, he must have really needed to hear the pep talk, be strong and courageous. And if you'll notice back in verse one or two, the Lord's saying, hey, I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And then at verse nine, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. He's sandwiching all this encouragement to Joshua with, I'm going to be with you, so be strong and courageous. Now, why does God repeat himself so much? When I repeat myself, it's usually because the person I'm talking to, I don't think they're hearing me. Well, God knows all things. So he knew Joshua wasn't hearing him. He knew that Joshua needed to hear more than once, three times, be strong and very courageous so that Joshua could leave that meeting saying, you know, if I'm going to fail, I better not fail by not being strong and courageous. So it appears Joshua's personality could tend toward a timidity a little bit. Joshua was certainly hesitant to speak up during the controversy at Kadesh Barnea. The Bible doesn't record him saying anything at first without taking some time to think it through. 
It was only Caleb that first night. We don't hear anything from Joshua. But by the next morning, Joshua's mind was made up and he was determined to take a stand with Caleb. So as I look at that and I pray about that, I'm like, what are you trying to show us, Lord? Well, it seems that Joshua was a analytical type. He wanted to measure twice to cut once. But what do we know about Caleb? Caleb seems to be sort of a loose cannon type of guy. Other stories we know of Caleb is in Joshua's chapter, Joshua chapters 14 and 15. Caleb was a little guy looking for a fight. When the 10 spies started to give a bad report of the land, Caleb was ready to argue with them. But in Joshua 14 and 15, he's now an old man. He's 85 years old, and he tells Joshua, hey, we've been, I'm paraphrasing now, we've been taking conquest of the land. Well, you remember when Moses told me this mountain of giants was mine. I'm ready to go take that land. I'm ready to go kill those giants. I'm just as strong at 85 as I was at 40 back then. Give me my mountain. And he goes in, and to make a long story short, he takes the mountain. Caleb was a warrior. So by the next morning, when the people began to riot, Joshua was right there with Caleb, showing up, standing up, and speaking up. He was having faith, advocating for what God said. Joshua, I believe, had a lot of convictions, biblical convictions. He had God's spirit within him. But he seemed like he wanted some alone time to sleep on it and analyze the situation. He could see Caleb standing up there and saying, We can do it at once. Be quiet, everybody. This is our land that God has given us. And Joshua's sort of like, Well, hopefully they'll listen to Caleb. And you know what the ten spies said is actually true. We... We did see a lot of giants there, and they were well-fortified cities and large cities, so I don't want to argue with them because what they're saying is technically right. And It was as if Joshua just kind of wanted to back away and think on it. How am I going to approach this situation? Well, after that first night, he slept on it. He, he had a few hours of reflection, and then Joshua was bold enough to almost be murdered with Caleb in an Antifa riot. Now, the Bible doesn't say it was an Antifa riot, but it clearly was a riot. If you read the story, man, they were ready to disenfranchise Moses and Aaron. They were going to go back into socialism. They were going to go back into slavery. They were going to, they were totally angry at God because he wasn't going to give them the land they felt they were entitled to without any work. And it, to me, it's exactly what an Antifa riot is today. And when, when somebody tried to confront them, well, they were getting violent. They were going to kill Joshua and Caleb, just for giving them a pep talk, saying you can do it. You got to admire Joshua's boldness, even though it seemed like it took him a little while to get going. So how does this apply to us today? And this is what I think is super important. I think Joshua was like many Christians today, hoping to simply hide in the background and avoid controversy. I don't, I don't really want to get involved too much. I don't want to be controversial. I want to be thought of as a, a nice Christian. And Joshua, unlike Caleb, might have preferred to be left alone rather than having to be strong and courageous. We knew that 40 years later, he had a habit of not being strong and courageous, so I'm thinking back here even more so. I think we have a lot of Joshuas in the, in the, in the church in America today. We have a few Calebs. They're the type that are ready to fight anybody. They're going to argue with somebody about something. They're not afraid to fight. They're not afraid to argue. They're not afraid to take a stand. 
maybe sometimes for good, maybe sometimes for bad. But Joshua, they're kind of the people with convictions, but they'd rather not argue if they can avoid it. Joshua would rather have deferred to Caleb when the line was drawn, but when he had to take a stand, he chose the right side. I think there's some Joshuas out there that are see what's going on. They've listened to the voice of reason, and they're like, you know, I've got to obey God. But it's not as easy as maybe it is for Caleb. And I'm glad we have Caleb's out there, people that are ready to run to the battle, people ready to take a stand for what's right and advocate for justice and righteousness in our nation. Hello, my name is Pastor Jay McPherson of Liberty Remnant Church. I would like to formally invite you to come visit our reality-based local church. A dedicated group of believers planted LRC about two years ago in the middle of the COVID-19 government shutdown. We are not afraid to apply biblical principles to weighty current day issues. In fact, we feel God expects it of his people. Our goal is to be a simple, relational, biblical church that applies biblical principles to the issues of the day. If you're looking for a local church or know somebody who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We're meeting at 7919 North Division in Spokane every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information, please check out our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. That's libertyremnantchurch.org. Or email me at pastorj at libertyremnantchurch.org. Thank you. I believe everybody is born with their own personality that God gave them. Your personality has strengths and your personality has weaknesses. I mean, come on, mine does too. Everybody does. And I think, as I try to encourage you today, I, I think your, our weaknesses are really just strengths that we let get out of bounds. So we have a tendency to do something good in an area, but we are undisciplined, we're unguarded, and it crosses a line into weakness. It crosses a line, say, into sin. For example, someone who is driven to produce and to achieve, they might have a greater tendency to be bossy. Come on, let's get things done, everybody. Hey, come on, I want to accomplish something. You get with the program. And they tend to boss people around. I don't care what your feelings are, what your perspective is. We need to get things done. Some people are like that. Some people have a tendency that way. And then there's someone who might be more agreeable, but they might tend to passively go along with the crowd. In other words, they're pretty good at looking at both sides. They can appreciate other people's perspectives. They might even listen well. But in all that, that comes naturally to them. They might have a tendency to get swept downstream with the culture. So which is right? Which is wrong? Well, really neither. Either way, whatever your personality is, whatever your strengths and weaknesses are, we trust the grace of power of God to help us be Christ-like regardless of our personality type. We don't have an excuse, well, I can sin because that's my personality. Wherever your weaknesses may be, Christ's power is made perfect in your weakness. And so it's important we embrace diversity with all the different personalities, different giftings in the body of Christ. That's why it's so important to be involved in a church, because people are different than you, and, and their differences sharpen you, and your differences sharpen in them. We come together, and here's this team with different strengths, different weaknesses, but together we're better. We're stronger together. We need both 
Caleb types and Joshua types in the battle for our culture today. So this is important. What type of season then are we in with our nation today? Well, I believe we're past the scouting out the land phase in Numbers 13. In Numbers 13, Moses sent one spy from each tribe into the promised land to spy it out and see what was there. And they came back with an evaluation on on the night of Numbers 13, if you will. Well, I think we already know our nation's messed up. We've got corruption galore. We knew when President Trump was heading into office, he was there to drain the swamp. But even I, who was declaring it was a a swamp full of corruption, I didn't realize how corrupt it really was. And with the China virus and the vaccine mandates and mask mandates, we really see where our nation is at, who's on what side of the line. To me, if you're not with us, you're against us. And there's a lot of people that we know how they would be if they were in Nazi Germany because they were put to the test and they didn't stand. We're past the scouting out the land stage. We know the situation, or we should. I believe we are in the numbers 14 stage. That is, we know what's going on. Now it's up to us whether we're going to obey God or not, whether we're going to have faith and move forward, or whether we're going to cower in fear and do our own thing. God will hold us accountable for how we respond to the battle our nation has ahead of us, to the battle that we're in. If we don't show up, speak up, and stand up now, how is God going to view our attitudes and actions? See, Joshua was reluctant to speak up that first night. But by the morning time, he had thought it through, he had prayed about it, and he was full in. It's time to take stand. Now, this failure at Kadesh Barnea gives us great insight on how God feels about fear and unbelief. God was upset. God was happy to allow his people to take their promised land from the giants. He had worked so many miracles to get them there. He was going to work more miracles to get the giants out of their land. But they refused. Many of them shrunk back in fear and unbelief. They thought to themselves, Hey, these giants seem too big. I'm not focused on God's power. I'm not focusing on God's faithfulness. I'm focusing on me and I see the giants bigger than me, I feel like a grasshopper before them. So I'm freaking out in fear. That was a lot of the children of Israel. But I think there was another category of people. They were just going to go along with the crowd. Had there been more Joshua and Caleb's to stand up and say, let's go take the land, they would have said, yeah, let's go take the land. But because there were more people who cowered in fear and unbelief, they too cowered in fear and unbelief. What type of Christian are you? Hope you're like Joshua and Caleb. I hope you're not the kind that shrink back or the kind that go along with the crowd. Well, guess what? In this story, the end of chapter 14, we see another category of people. These were those who showed up too late. It says at the end of Numbers 14 that they said, all right, we hear you. I'm paraphrasing now. We hear you. We're going to go take the land now. We understand it was a big deal to God that we go take the land So we hear that he's upset. So we're going to go in and take the land now. And Moses said, what now? (laughs) Now you're going to do that? Why do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? This will not succeed. He says in verse 42, do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you. 
The Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed, verse 44, to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which is the presence of God, nor Moses, which is a sign of the authority of God, were with them. They departed, they departed from, they still departed from the camp. And then verse 45, the Bible says, the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Horma, which I guess was a really long ways. They got their booties kicked because they presumed on God. They presumed that he was going to just sort of let them rethink things. I think they were a day too late. They were trying to name and claim a promise that was no longer theirs. That is, they were uh, originally rejected God and they didn't have faith. And then they saw that God was not going to let them into the promised land. They were going to have, he was going to have them die in the wilderness. So they says, okay, we're going to now claim the promise. When God had told them, nope, you're out of here. They missed their window of opportunity. And throughout the Bible, from here on out, there's many references made to this failure at Kadesh Barnea. And over and over again, they warn and they mourn the fact that they missed their window of opportunity. Hebrews 3 and 4 are chapters of the Bible where it says, hey, don't be like these people. Have faith in God. Submit to God. Obey God. And don't give in to fear and unbelief. They missed their day of visitation. Jesus talked about that as well, that the city of Jerusalem missed their day of visitation, and he wept for the city of Jerusalem because they didn't know their time. They didn't know the day of visitation. And I really feel like that's where we're at as a country. Like Jerusalem, before they rejected Jesus, and the children of Israel at Kadesh Barnea, who rejected God's promised land, we too must be fearful we don't miss this window of opportunity. Will there come a day when our votes don't matter? I'm afraid if things continue, that's true. And many of us in the state of Washington would say, well, that's been true for a long time. I remember when Dino Rossi became governor over Christine Gregoire in the election, but they recounted and he still won. So they kept recounting three times until Christine Gregoire won and they forced Dino Rossi to, to surrender. And since then, every push towards election integrity has been fought against. They don't want there to be fair and safe elections. Now, I think it's still important to vote. I think if we uh, use our vote to be a voice, God will do what we can't do. But now is the time for signing initiatives and connecting with our elected representatives. If we don't, that time, that day might pass. It's time to take a stand. I'm not just talking politics. We should be standing up in whatever area God puts on our heart, whether it's in business and not shopping at Target, whether it's entertainment, not doing Disney Plus and other Disney movies, whether it's in news media, where we get our news, we've got to take a stand. We have a window of opportunity. And we need both Caleb types and Joshua types. We certainly don't want any of the other 10 spies who were full of fear and unbelief. Those spies were basically saying, and led the children of Israel to say, I don't want to inherit my promises. I want to live under bondage. I want to go back to Egypt where it's socialist and we don't have rights. We do whatever we're told. They lost their minds. And I hear Christians today in that same flavor. I've heard Christians say there's no point in engaging anymore. 
They don't listen to us anyway. We might as well give up. Come on. America's worth fighting for. Your community's worth fighting for. Your state's worth fighting for. Your children and grandchildren are worth fighting for. Many others have done it. Now it's our generation's turn. Literally heard somebody say, I wish God would hurry up and judge America and be done with it all. I'm like, come on. It's not time to just hope God wipes everybody out. He'll wipe you out with it. Right? It rains on the just and the unjust. If the judgment of God is upon us as a nation, even the righteous feel it. So I'm wanting to contend, Lord, let there be a meeting with you and our culture that we'd return to you, that we'd repent, that we'd become a nation of righteousness and justice once again. I've heard people say, I don't want to get involved because I don't want to be angry at anyone. What? Do you not know what's going on? Do you not care for people? I care for these kids who haven't gotten love and acceptance and they're so desperate for us. They're thinking maybe if I change genders, I'd find love and acceptance and meaning because I feel like a total failure in my current situation. And so they think the grass is greener on the other side and they say, oh yeah, you think I should be a girl when I was born a boy. I guess I better do that. Give me the hormone blockers. Doesn't that make you angry? How do you care about people and not be angry today? But I've heard Christians and pastors say, oh, we don't want to be angry. That's not being a good Christian. I think being a good Christian, a good follower of Jesus, you got to be angry at sin because you care about people. And I've heard people, well, I, I just want to be popular with the world like Jesus was. Jesus was not popular with the arrogant. He wasn't popular with the superficial. They killed them. And he warned us. He said, hey, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. We can't be like those 10 spies. We got to be like Joshua or Caleb. We have an opportunity to take the land. God has worked miracles in dire situations before. Let our hope be in him. Let our faith be in him. That if we do his will, he will hear and heal our land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Maybe in America it's a land flowing with cheeseburgers and apple pie. That's even better. But man, people are trying to get into this country. It's worth fighting for. It will involve God's people standing up, showing up, and speaking up. When God's people in Genesis 13 and 14 refused to stand up, refused to show up, they didn't speak up, but in complaining and unbelief, God was really upset. He says, I'm going to wipe them out. But now is the time to stand. Maybe you're not a Caleb. Maybe you're not the kind that like to go run to a fight and argue with anybody. Maybe you're a Joshua. You have conviction. You have principle. Now's the time to take a stand. May we all take a stand in Jesus' name. Thank you. Catch you here next time. Bless you. Thank you for listening to The Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash gift, and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.